that's that's what we're trying again watch ted lasso people <laughs> if you want to feel good about life and just like everything you gotta watch okay, it but david then they have to buy an apple tv subscription and that's not great for their finances it's 4.99 it includes bad. apple music that's not bad. so you know i can ju- it depends again gotta be honest with we your finances and your budgeting <laughs> Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today my guest is Class of 2023 member David Mastery. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. David's on today because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I was like looking for guests this season. And I was looking at the class composite for your class. I'm like, who would be good? And I saw your face, and I remembered that you did help me with my master's project. And then I was asking Monica, um, a mutual friend of ours, yes. if you would be good. And she's like, yeah, he's a good talker. He'd be great. And that's how you ended up in this chair today. <laughs> so thanks for being a good talker. Of course. <laughs> Tell me where your hometown is, where you went to undergrad, and what was your major? So I am from Cooper City, Florida. Um, it's around like the Fort Lauderdale area. I went to the University of Florida for my undergrad, so I have been here for quite some time now, and I was a zoology major with some graphic design thrown in there. Explain the graphic design part. <laughs> I, the way that I used to like study is I hate learning through a PowerPoint, which is like a big thing in vet school is everything is on a PowerPoint, and I got really into taking that information and presenting it in a new way into almost like graphics and posters and things like that and I started getting more and more into it and then I talked to my advisor and she was like you should consider this and I went in on it and I really enjoyed it. So are you telling me that when you study are you like creating new study guides are you like adjust it how like how how does it work? So it depends on the class I don't always do it if it's like a giant class and it's just a bunch of information. I can't always make it pretty, but for a lot of them, especially the more elective courses, I will usually make a more aesthetically pleasing study guide, if you will, that is something that I really enjoy because it's not just useful for the class and the exam, but also in life when I graduate and I've forgotten the things that I once knew That's and cool. I can just quickly reference it in a nice aesthetically pleasing way. Do you ever share them with your classmates? Sometimes. It That's, depends. It depends because... Why? <laughs> well, you know, it, by creating things, you're assuming that, like, everything on there is exactly the way that, like, the course presents it. Mm. So I would hate to put something and I present and I give it to the whole 120-person class right. and then someone finds a thing there that they get wrong on an exam. And that's why. So it, it always goes out with the disclaimer that, you know, this is made by a, a second-year, third-year student. <laughs> Can I share why I asked that question? Yeah, please do. I project it. I'm like, oh, he doesn't want to share it because he wants to keep the good information to himself because no. that's how I would think. Because <laughs> like, I'm competitive, so I'm like, yeah. oh, he probably doesn't want to share it because of that, and you're not sharing it because you don't want them to fail or do yeah, wrong. I'm not very competitive with my class. Good for I, you. <laughs> you know, grades are super important, especially if you want to go down the specialty pathway, but I learn what I can. Mm-hmm. I I prioritize it, and whatever I get is what I get. I love that. Um, Speaking of specialty routes, what do you think you want to end up doing in veterinary medicine? I really like emergency medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not committed to specializing in it. Um, It's one of the ones where you can just go out and do it if you want. You're not going to be a board-certified criticalist, but you can go out and do, and as long as you know your limits. Um, 
So we'll see what the next two years brings. You're Uh, currently on an ECC rotation. Yes, and I love every second of it. And I'm glad that you brought up that students could become like an ER vet without becoming specialized, and you can make great money. For sure you can. (laughs) As an ER veterinarian, and you're very much invested in, invested is a great word for this, in understanding finances. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So which part of it? Yeah, right, right, right. So as we were coming over here, we were kind of talking about how you have the notion that you maybe have different perspectives than some of your classmates do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there could be folks who completely agree with David and, and he hasn't heard those perspectives, but it's great to have as many folks on the show to talk about different things. And one of the things that you and some of your classmates could differ on is your understanding of finances. So tell me what you've noticed about maybe some classmates and you're like, oh, I wish they could understand this a little bit better. So I would say that this is even just applying to like, if you're thinking about going to vet school, I would say something that you're going to need to prioritize before getting there is getting a good grasp of your personal finances. And that is not as hard as it sounds. I'm not telling you to start your own business or get an MBA. This can be done with a book and a few YouTube videos. There's one book I love. um, I will teach you to be rich. Super funny. It's not a guy, you know, telling you the, the ins and outs of starting something like Amazon. It's a guy telling you like, this is how you get out of bank fees. This is how you increase your credit limit. This Love. is how you increase your credit score. Love. It's a short book. He's funny throughout it. It keeps you interested. He talks about the super boring things like Roth IRAs. And hey, I have a Roth IRA. Yes, great. <laughs> Everyone should have one. Because like you're about to embark on this four-year journey where you are accumulating a massive amount of debt for most people. For most people. Um and you have no income during that four years for the most part. You may be able to balance a tech job or something like that. I didn't do that because I wanted to go to vet school, learn what I can, and then when I leave the building, I have left the building and I'm checked out right? <laughs> so that I can go home and enjoy my day. But some people, they love it and they want to keep going throughout the day and nothing wrong with that. But when you get out, you are like thrown into the real world very quickly. Even if you decide to go intern specialty, sure. you're still like – you're not on loans anymore. You have a salary at that point Mm -hmm. and you have contracts you need to negotiate. You are moving because most people aren't going to stay where they went to vet school at. Right. And if you don't have a good grasp of what goes into those decisions, like you might want to buy a house when you get out. Do you know what your credit is? Right. Have you been working on your credit? Have you been trying to keep it nice and low? Don't we feel like part of the reason that you have this mentality is because you are a first-generation student and have to navigate all of these waters? Talk about how that plays a role in this. Yeah, for sure. My parents, they prioritized me being an individual, supporting myself to the best that I can. So like when I, straight out of high school, moved to the University of Florida, my parents are down in South Florida. Um it, it's that feeling of being like alone and you have a choice in that situation. You can kind of sit there and let it happen or you can take control of it. So you can have that mentality that and, and we all go through it where you accumulate a massive amount of credit card debt. Did you go through that? I did go what through you, that. What's your weakness? What were you spending money on? Oh my on? God. I think it was like food. Yeah. And then like I'm very like bougie with my dogs (laughs) and I had at the time her name was Zoe she was like this little like eight pound Yorkie 
And she had all these medical things. And I was like, whatever she needs. Oh, David. And I just accumulated massive debt doing that. And I think it wasn't until my second or like the between the second and third year of undergrad where I was like, this is getting to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Like I have all this interest that's occurring on it. Like even if I'm making those minimum payments. Right. um, Which I hate minimum payments it's a trick agreed (laughs) go more than the minimum if you can always even when you get out and you have your student loans you need to get as aggressive because your minimums just keep you in that hole for the rest of your life it's almost like ooh, 35 dollars to pay on my one thousand dollar bill right now wonderful i can pay 35 dollars you're right it's a scam for sure it's just a way to keep you in it um so yeah and i was just i was just young and stupid i was just buying things i got really into surfing so yeah it was just that mentality and then I got a real tech job Mm -hmm. um, during my third year of undergrad. And that's when I was like, this needs to be my priority to get this down. And that's not feasible for everyone. I mean, I'm for the most part, I'm a pretty traditional student. You know, I went to undergrad. I did a single gap year and I went to vet school Mm -hmm. for non-traditional students. You know, they have a completely different life or everyone's a little bit different with their debt load. But I think there's a you just need to know what you have and yeah. have an honest conversation with yourself about it. Sure. And you're hearing from maybe like peers or classmates or throughout the hospital, some folks don't have a credit card open or they don't yes. know their credit score. Or they just don't know what compound interest means. Absolutely. And when you hear that, are you, do you just like panic inside? <laughs> yes. Um, a few of my friends, some of which you know, uh-huh. um, they'll see my credit card stack <laughs> and I'll be like, well, this one's for this and this one's for this. I, yeah. And I'll give them my spiel on certain credit cards. And they're like, I just, I trust you. I'm going to open that credit card. And I was like, yes, but be smart about it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> know what you're getting into. And I'm always, I'm, I'm the type of person I pay off my credit cards every two weeks. There Love is, that. There is, I will not be giving a bank a dollar is what, what I tell myself. <laughs> and that's how I go about my debt. Okay. Okay, so um, basically David's perspective on finances, if you were going to sum it up in like one sentence to our pre-vet audience, what would you tell them? Watch some YouTube videos. Great advice. And five-minute videos, easy. Honestly, I would I would agree with that. Like YouTube videos and Google can save everyone so much time and effort and also like looking silly by asking silly questions. Just go look it up. Yeah. Great advice. Let's go to your perspective on how we talk about clients. Yeah, for sure. Um, Veterinary medicine is changing rapidly. We have so many patients now. And because of that, things have changed in terms of how we go about our patients. Things are done over the phone. Our wait times are incredibly more increased now. And it puts people... Like on the defense? They're frustrated. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, they're just, they're sitting in lobbies, they're sitting in their cars, mm. and they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes when we talk to them, they don't give us as much respect as we want, mm. or they have a little bit of an angrier tone with us. Right. Like they're in a mood. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. I, I I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso. Ugh, love. It's my favorite But don't tell me. Show. I haven't watched season two yet. Okay, I, nothing from season two, okay. but I love the saying, be curious, not judgmental. Love that saying. Great saying. Because... David, say it again. Be curious, not judgmental. Yes. Because there's a difference between someone that is frustrated and someone that is truly just mean. <laughs> and I will say that 90% of the time, it comes out of frustration, concern, yeah. and fear. It does. 
And it's really important to ground yourself Mm. in that because if you think about why they may be having that little bit of an attitude with Mm -hmm. you, number one, you can approach the situation a little bit differently and you can work with them better. I had a client last night. I'm currently on an overnight rotation and she gave me a little bit of an attitude. But I took a second. I took a nice deep breath. There's a lot of power in a deep mm, breath. There's a lot of power in a deep I breath. I almost, before any time I start a conversation with a client or I start a procedure, deep breath. Yeah. Just, it resets your brain. Took a deep breath and I grounded myself in the fact that she's been waiting in a parking lot for six hours. Oh, no. Waiting to hear about her pet. Yeah. And that. Oh, six hours. Th- her pet isn't doing well. Mm-hmm. And if that's my animal. Right. I'm going to be the exact same way. And I think it's easy to say like, oh, you should know how to handle your emotions better. Mm. Put yourself in the situation. Oh my God, I'd be miserable six hours in a parking lot. I've had my dog in an emergency and I am someone that is familiar with how this works. Sure. And I've been frustrated. And it's still frustrating. And it's like just, and again, this does not excuse people that are out here just trying to be mean to you. Of course, of course. Or your front staff or anything like that. Right. But 90% of the time- it's not a difficult client. Mm-hmm. It's just a concerned client. And we just have to do what we can to reassure them that we're providing proper care, apologize for the wait, and keep them up to date on what we're doing. What a way to reframe this. Because <laughs> even just changing the word difficult to concerned completely changes the perspective on that human. Because Absolutely. if I'm looking at even like a pre-vet student, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so difficult. But if I change that to they're concerned about getting into vet school. For sure. I'm much more empathetic towards that person. Mm-hmm. Ooh, David, I love this. Why do you think you have this attitude? Well, I love my parents. I love them very much. They know nothing about vet med. And they are, for lack of a better word, what we would call difficult clients. <laughs> because they know what they want. And my parents are not bad people. They're just, you know, it. it's frustration it's not knowing things so it's it's me growing up with that Mm. and understanding where that comes from and that if you just try and level with people put yourself in their shoes you get a lot better of a response what you're talking about here is like next level cognitive functioning (laughs) not everyone can do that some of us are at that um like caveman survival mode like day in and day out so i love that you're able to recognize some strategies, provide us with some ideas, take that deep reset breath, reframe how we're calling people. I love this. It it feels very much like assuming the best in the clients. Um, Okay, so we talked about finances. We talked about how we treat clients. I'm I'm a rule of threes girl. So what's one more topic or perspective that you're passionate about that you think might be a little bit different than some of the other folks around you? Okay. Um, I guess I'd like to talk about the salary of veterinarians. Oh, God. What Uh, do you want? Wait, what's your perspective on it? My perspective is that there is money to be made. Yes. And I, I think that we as a profession are too quick to compare ourselves to other professions. Yes. And belittle ourselves. Go, David. So, yes, you can compare yourself to an MD all day. We're going through the training and you can and we can be mad about how our salaries are so different. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's two different professions. And to say, though, that veterinarians can't make money 
and that there's no money to be made and that our debt is insane and that right. we can't pay it off. I'm sorry. It's it's just not true. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have to be true. <laughs> because a majority of America yeah. lives off a significantly smaller salary. Well, that's true. Significantly smaller. Yeah. Has. And it's what you frame it as. Mm-hmm. So I will say that anyone telling you that you cannot make six figures as a veterinarian. That's is, a lie. It's incorrect. That's a lie. The average salary, I believe, was $102,000 last year. I'm just going to throw real numbers at you. Right, right. That is a real salary. I know that we want to be mad because MDs are out here making minimums of three, four hundred thousand dollars. And yes, that's something that is frustrating. But don't discredit yourself for what you've earned and what you're making. Well, and let's remember, it's a four-year degree versus minimum eight-year degree. Exactly. You know, you can graduate and say, like, I'm a veterinarian now and I'm done. Correct. MDs can't do that. And you can make $102,000 or $120,000. But I I love what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, yes, I would love to be making more money. Sure. Who doesn't want to be making more money? Right. But at the end of the day, you're still making a good salary. Yes. It's a frustrating industry for sure. Sure. It's hard. You went through a lot. And it sometimes hurts to have a doctor in front of your name. Someone else has a doctor in front of their name and they're making a lot more than you. And I get that. But that's just something that happens in life. It's a real you're making a really good amount of money. And you know what? Six David, figures is a big amount of money. Huge <laughs> amount of money and mo money, mo problems. As exactly. we say. Like it's not always greener, greener money. Like you could be <laughs> making you know, I've thought about this myself. I really I mentioned I'm competitive and I for really sure. was striving for more money. And then I was looking at the folks who were making more money and what they have to deal with on a daily basis, and I'm like I do not want to have to deal with that. For sure. The more money you make, the more responsibility you have, potentially the less work-life balance you have. Like you might not get to spend all that money on the things you want to do. So we should evaluate how much money do you need to have the lifestyle you want. And if that six figures is going to give you the lifestyle you want and a work-life balance where you're working three or four days a week in an emergency clinic – Let's just let's just uh, put the saddle up and enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you compare yourselves, you're just you're taking away your happiness. You, true. Because Absolutely. there's always going to be someone making more money. Even if you went the MD route, let's just pretend yeah. you did and yeah. you picked a specialty. And there's always going to be another specialty that's making more. Correct. Oh, I love this. Always. So if you keep doing that to yourself, you're never going to appreciate where you are no. and how much you have. Yes. And you can pay off your debt. Correct. (laughs) You just need to prioritize it. Yes. And you need to kind of think these things through. One of our, first of all, David, I just realized what these all are. These are hot takes. (laughs) These are hot takes with David. That's what we're doing right now. Um, For those of you who don't know, a hot take is an an unpopular opinion. Um, But honestly, I'm pumped about all these opinions David's thrown at us. Okay. So David, you've given us your hot takes on finances interacting with clients, and then really feeling like we can own the salary that we're going to make as yeah. a veterinarian. Expectation is the thief of joy, you know? Like, like, if you go out and you're like, I'm going to be making what MDs make, no. Look what veterinarians are making. Right. And that is you need to be happy. Wow. Because and understand like what that number means. Right. Why are we comparing ourselves? Why are we having an expectation that we should make as much as an MD? We're not an MD. So that's just silly. It's thieving our joy. It's stealing it. Yeah. Love. I want you to give me a hot take on advice for pre-vets. So just think about like what do pre-vets always hear? And like maybe you're like, eh, that's not the perspective they need. What's the hot take that you can give to them? I took a year off. I think everyone should take that year off. I agree. That's another hot take. I agree. Everyone should do it. What did you do with your year off? I worked as a tech. 
like I just immersed myself full time. I was doing, I was a surgery tech three days a week and then like a vet tech two days a week. So I was doing just like 40 ish, 50 hours. Yes. I was a volunteer coordinator at the hospital. I was working with wildlife. I was doing all these things here, but I was also enjoying my life for Mm -hmm. a year. Yeah. And I think it's important because number one, you're going to see how that practice really works. Mm -hmm. You can get that experience while you're in school and undergrad, but like full-time is different than part-time. It's not the same. So make sure you like it for one. And it's really nice to find a mentor because you can't really get that in undergrad, but when you kind of work somewhere full-time, you can find that. Right. And I love my mentor so much. Is it who coded you? Yes. Who was that? Dr. Stevens. Okay. Claire Stevens. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I love her. She's who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) I tell her that all the time. Um, I would also say to any pre-vet people, because I heard it too, it is that if someone tells you that you will not get in, don't listen. Don't listen. Don't listen. Don't listen. Like you can do it. It may take you a few tries, but if you look at your application and you're honest with yourself and say, where am I lacking? That's when you can figure out how to make yourself in a better position because there's going to be a lot of people that'll tell you that oh you don't have the grades you're not smart enough you don't you're not in the right situation don't listen to them i am not a genius <laughs> i am not a genius i was not that kid in high school doing all the ap classes i was not the straight a student in undergrad i hated every second of physics and calculus i told alex while we were waiting up here i got less than a 20 percent on my first exam yeah, at the wild. university of florida that's wild calculus that's wild Failed it, like bombed it. And I was like, oh, my God, is this for me? Like, can I do this? And, you know, again, it's that choice that you have. You can you can sit there and go through it or you can try and get a little bit better about it. But like, no, you do not need to be a genius to get into veterinary school. I promise you, you do not. It's hard to get in because there's not that many schools. Right. But you do not need to be a genius. I mean, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think everyone can go. It's just when, like you mentioned, like it might take multiple times. It also is where you might not end up at your dream school if they've got, you know, crazy high minimums or crazy competitive applicant pools. It just takes more time and you have to just be open and flexible. And like you said, realistic when you're looking at that application and where you'll fit best. Yeah. Hot takes with David. (laughs) David, thanks so much for sharing your... For sure. Thank you for having me. Like, I'm going to say, it's they're popular opinions with me because I agree with what you said. It's all about your, like, state of mind. Yes. You know, if you look at what you have in life and stop comparing yourself to others, you'll be very happy as a person. And just don't forget, be kind to others, you know? Be curious. Be curious. Not judgmental. Not judgmental. <laughs> I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon.